Happy Easter. Glad you're tuned in and watching this. I've been a priest for um, quite a few years, and I want to say that this year, more than any other year, I feel a need to preach about hope. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about hope. We're doing this as part of a sermon series that we're starting today, where we are ultimately, we're talking about how to help a friend through hard times. And we're going to be talking about a number of hard topics in the coming weeks. But today we're talking about this foundational thing of hope that goes deep within us. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And as we think about that, I want to first start by just thinking for a moment about the things that pull us away from hope. There are things that want to pressure us and push us away from having hope in our lives. And some of these are ones that we've created the ones we think about how we've treated our environment, perhaps the way we polluted, perhaps the way we've distributed uh, resources in the world, perhaps it's the conditions that we've allowed to occur where there's hunger and violence and war and these different things, all these different things we do, we've done, people on earth have done that push down hope within us. Then there's this whole other category of the things that just happened, the circumstances that just hit us. We can think in Dallas, you know, we thought it was bad back a number of months ago when the tornado hit, and it was bad. But then who could have thought a number of months later that we would all be sheltered at home, worried about COVID-19 and the coronavirus and all these things. All these different things can push us, and if they, we let it, it can push us down into some really dark places. And we're reminded of the need to hold on to hope. And actually, hope is not just a sweet thing that we think about and and imagine that we need to hold on to. There are folks in the science world that are studying this who say hope is a vital part of what we're about. I think about some of the studies that have been done that say that, you know, college students who have hope end up with better GPAs, are more likely... Um, to graduate, or the studies they've done on athletes who are filled with hope. They perform better. They go through rehab better when they get an injury. They adapt to things where they need to adjust better. Or the studies that have been done on the elderly. And they've done these studies where they've looked at this group of people at a certain age, and they go back and check them later. And the ones who initially were identified as having hope And those who were at the bottom end of having any kind of hope, those who didn't have hope were like twice as likely to die. This idea that hope is like super important, such that you get like some of the folks that study this. I think about the psychologist, um, Shane Lopez, who says hope is a vital tool for life. We need hope. And I think such is the need for hope that even for my friends who are out there who are not, who don't have faith, who don't have hope that comes from that place, I think the disposition we should have is that we want it to be true. Because we look at all these good things that come from living a life that has hope. We want this to be true. We want to have hope breathing in us as a place. And I think there are lots of things for us to think about on that. And think about lots of things to think about. I think one of the things that's come out of this shelter in place is an opportunity to slow down 
and maybe think about some of the big questions that we have. What really counts in life? Have we built a foundation that will be solid even when we have these circumstances that we cannot control that want to tear at what we're about? And on this day, more than any other day, I want to come back to what so many people through the world and through the ages have said. People for two millennia who've lived through poverty and hunger and disease and earlier pandemics and pain and war and all of these different things who've, all, who've come back to holding this hope that He's risen, that Jesus is ridden, risen, that the Lord is risen indeed as a place to hold on to hope. I'm mindful of one of the passages of Scripture that we get from 1 Peter. 1 Peter, he says this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope, one we just sang about, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This idea that it's a living hope it's something that is with us, that's alive, that's there. And whether, as we do this sermon series, whether we're doing it today for a friend, we're thinking about how are we going to give hope to a friend that's in a dark place, or whether it's for ourselves, I think we need to focus on this hope on this day. And I'm mindful that the same passage, um, the same book of the Bible from First Peter, he says in one place that we should be ready to give an account of the hope that's within us. This idea to me that there are two parts of that. One is that as Christ followers, we have hope in us, deep within us, and that we should be able to give an account for it. And Easter, more than any other day of the church year, is a day that speaks hope. Because if Jesus is resurrected, then there's infinite hope. And there's a call for us then to pour ourselves out to meet the needs of the world that's in all of that. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful thing. I think about the uh, Anglican bishop and New Testament scholar N.T. Wright. He says this. He says, the message of the resurrection is that this world matters, that the injustices and pains of the present world must now be addressed with the news that healing, justice, and love have won. If Jesus Christ is truly risen from the dead, Christianity becomes good news for the whole world. Easter means that in a world where injustice and violence and degradation are endemic, God is not prepared to tolerate such things, and that we will work and plan with all the energy of God to implement victory of Jesus over them all. There is in the Easter message an inherent hope. And it's all built, as we heard on that First Peter passage, the living hope based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the linchpin of Christianity. And this isn't something new we've talked about. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 talks about this. He talks about how if Jesus isn't resurrected, I'm preaching in vain. Your faith is in vain. But he has been resurrected. And it may be hard for us sometimes to take it on because it was a one-off event. But what we know is that Jesus' dead body 
by this power is changed and is raised. And this is the moment. This is the central moment in all of history that everything is headed towards and everything is changed after. This is his crucifixion and his resurrection electrify the world with infinite possibilities of what can be. Things that weren't even imagined can happen. And it all begins as it did with Jesus' early followers as we encounter the risen Lord. We think about this with our first reading today from Acts 10. You get Cornelius, this centurion in the Roman army, who is coming to pay homage to the God of Israel. And Peter feels called by God to go and preach to him. To say, okay, the God you're talking about, that you're coming here to honor, he's actually come near. And here's what he's done. And this changes everything about how we live. It changes the whole formation of everything. And Cornelius hears it, receives it, and is baptized. When we encounter the risen Lord, whether it's through preaching, whether it's physically for the people that see him after the resurrection, they're changed. St. Paul talks about that. He talks about all the different people that see him. I just want to read part of this from 1 Corinthians 15. This is from the message translation. He says, the first thing I did was placed before you what was placed so emphatically before me that the Messiah died for our sins exactly as Scripture tells it, that he was buried, that he was raised from death on the third day, again, exactly as Scripture says, that he presented himself alive to Peter, then to his closest followers, and later to more than 500 of his followers, all at the same time, most of them still around. That he then spent time with James and the rest of those commissioned to represent him. And that he finally presented himself alive to me. All of these people who encountered him were changed in amazing ways. Think about this for a minute. You can look at all these different episodes. Go read them all about how Jesus appears to the different people. But think about the impact it had on them, right? Within a period of about 50 days, this band of his inner circle and these followers and these leaders, they originally went from people who scattered like bugs when the lights come on to then 50 days later, they've got their mission, they've got their message, and they are so bold that they're taking on the very institution that put Jesus to death. It was that way then, it's that way now. When we encounter the risen Lord, when we're open to receiving from the risen Lord, we're changed. And it matters. It opens up a whole world of possibility, all kinds of infinite possibilities. The book of Romans talks about how peace and hope are tied together. We think about um, how it says in Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So apparently joy and peace are part of that. And we think too about how this hope is what ultimately gives us the energy to pour ourselves into the world according to God's kingdom plans. First Timothy chapter 4 talks about this. It says, for to this end we toil and struggle because we have our hope set on the living God 
who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. There are all kinds of ways that bringing this hope on board changes us, calls us into God's mission and His kingdom and His work, and changes all of this. And it helps us when we face trials. It helps us to have the strength to face it and to move into it. I recently was reading about a a pastor who talked about this. Some of you will know him because he had like the best, one of the best published books on the New York Times bestseller list was The The Purpose Driven Life. But Rick Warren, and and I don't know how many of you know it, but Rick and Kay Warren, a number of years ago, they lost their 27-year-old son, Matthew. And about a year later, Rick Warren was asked, how do you guys deal with losing your son. And this is what Rick Warren said, and I want to read it to you. He said, in short, the answer is Easter. He says, you see, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus happened over three days. Friday was the day of suffering and pain and agony. Saturday was the day of doubt and confusion and misery. But Easter, that Sunday, was a day of hope and joy and victory. And here's the fact of life. You will face these three days over and over and over in your lifetime. And when you do, you'll find yourself asking, as I did, three fundamental questions. Number one, what do I do in my days of pain? Two, how do I get through my days of doubt and confusion? And three, how do I get to the days of joy and victory. And he says the answer is Easter. That Easter brings hope, the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think our mission as Christ followers or as people who who live in whatever conditions is to take this hope on board, to let it live and breathe within us. And we're mindful at Easter that there are all kinds of deaths that we face, not just the physical death that we ultimately all face. But as we live life in this world, there are times when we face the death of our ideals. There are times when we deal with the death of our hope, maybe the death of our integrity, certainly the death of a relationship, perhaps at even times the death of our own believing. But as we invite Jesus into this, as we bring in his resurrection power into our lives, he comes into our lives full of death and he brings life. So on this day, I think more than any other day, you and I reach out to the living Jesus and invite him into our lives that have death in them and invite him to come with his resurrection power to live in us that He can give us the rhythms of grace. He comes to all people in all circumstances. And I'm mindful the book of Hebrews talks about seizing this hope and holding on to this hope. My prayer and my invitation to you this Easter, ask the risen Lord to come and reign and bring His life into all these places that tempt us towards not having hope, to all these places that seem to want to bring death. He is risen. The Lord is risen indeed.
Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us so much. We thank you for your plan of salvation. We thank you that you're the one who brings a living hope through the resurrection. We ask that you would, by your grace, help us to live it and to share it. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.